So I'm kind of on a kick to uh, record old songs, that is, songs that I wrote sometime in the distant past. I've got a bag and file folders and notebooks filled with old songs because I've been writing songs for a very long time. And uh, recently I just had one pop in my head, decided to record it. And as I was doing that, I looked at the date when I wrote the song. I wrote it on February 7th, 2004. And that brought to mind a series of events that I want to share with you in this episode of The Eclectic Monk. First, I'll share the song. Then I'll share the story behind it. And then I'll share why that period of time was so important. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Sky's cold and gray, the rain is falling down. Rich and poor alike are getting wet. I see no happy smiles, everyone's depressed. Have not and the hands are not content. And everywhere I look, see no signs of joy. All I see is madness and despair. No matter how I try, all I seem to find lots of people running from their minds. Well, I'm riding down the road, dodging SUVs. Driven by distracted soccer moms well, That guy will work for food At least that's what he says But soccer moms on cell phones can't care less and Everywhere I look, I see no signs of joy All I see is madness and despair No matter how I try, all I seem to find Lots of people running from their minds well, this coffee shop is warm, the rain is all but gone. Hope that guy will live to beg again. Through the tinted glass, I see the mom complain as her tinted SUV gets towed away. And everywhere I look, see no signs of joy. All I see is madness and despair. No matter how I try, all I seem to find, lots of people running from their minds. Everywhere I look, see no signs of joy. All I see is madness and despair. No matter how I try, all I seem to find, lots of people running from their minds. Lots of people running from their minds. All the people running from their minds. This is a promo hold. That means the producer has intentionally created a space in the podcast for a proud sponsor to offer their products, services, or anything else of value for a reasonable amount of money. If you are interested in this promo hold space, reach out to us at theeclecticmonk at mail.com and our friendly sales associates will be in touch. Thank you. So in January of 2004, it was 18 years ago, uh, right now, I was um, getting ready to pack up a moving truck 
and move my family back to Georgia from Thunder Bay, Ontario. I was fixing to um, walk away from what was, I still say, the best job I ever had, if you're talking about just personal gratification and, and enjoyment. I loved being the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Thunder Bay, Ontario. I loved the people. I loved the city. I loved everything about it. Um, and so you say, so why did you leave it? Well, we left it because we had a family crisis back in Georgia, and my marriage and my family was more important than my job. And uh, so we packed up a moving truck. It was uh, blowing snow and minus 20, and just the trip home. Well, that's a story for another day. I'll share that one someday because it's worth hearing too. But we, we got home uh, end of January, 1st of February. And um, on February 7th, 2004, I wrote the ironic song, which was the song that I just shared with you. Uh, very short little two minute and 15 second song. I wrote it after I was sitting in a Starbucks in Marietta, Georgia, uh, waiting on a friend of mine to come and talk uh, on a rainy Friday afternoon, watching this guy uh, beg for money out in the middle of a four-lane highway. He did not get hit by a car, just so you know. That part of the song is uh, simply conjecture, but, but that's where the whole idea of the song came from. And I know that it was a Friday because I know that on Monday, February the 10th, was the day I started at the job that God opened up for me as a delivery driver for a local um, warehouse and regional delivery service. So uh, I, I stepped into that job on February the 10th, and I will have my 18th year anniversary uh, right around the corner. So I know when I wrote the song. And I wrote the song based on the observation that I had uh, at this period of my time of my life, which was, you know, again, I had just left Canada. Uh, I had just left a job that I loved. I had just left a group of people that I really loved. Um, but I also realized that, you know, love, real love is sacrificial. And I loved my wife and I loved my, my family and, and my, my mother-in-law was very sick. We had been home for Christmas uh, that year in 2003 and uh, were just really upset by uh, Doris's physical condition. She was not well. And as we got back to Canada, um, we realized that um, we needed to go home. My wife was desperate to get home to take care of her mom and I wasn't going to let her go without me. And, um, and as I explained that to uh, one of the elders of the church, and, and he just looked at me and said, man, you got to go home. And I said, okay. And so moving in, out of Canada in the middle of January seemed like a really bad idea, but it's when we needed to go. And so there I am in early February sitting in this coffee shop, living in my in-law's basement, and that was a challenge, and I'll 
share that challenge at another time too. Uh, it was something, man. Uh, with my four kids, and we're trying to make a transition uh, that was really, really difficult to make. I didn't have a job. And then a friend of mine that I'd gone to church with years before uh, found the position for me. And, and so I'm eternally grateful to that opportunity and what it's done for me all these years. Um, I started out in 2004 as a uh, local delivery driver. I'm now the operations manager for this company and uh, and can never express enough gratitude for um, the opportunities and for the support that I've had uh, through all these years. Now, I've given as much as I've gotten, don't get me wrong, but um, it's always been there for me and, and they're people that I appreciate. So we are, I'm sitting there getting ready to start this new job and um, like I said, I was, a friend of mine was, was coming and we were talking about, you know, church planting and kind of things. And, and none of that ever panned out, but you know, that was always my heart. And, and so I wrote this little song and, uh, one of the things I'm grateful for is I began dating things a long time ago. And so it's really kind of cool to think back to that moment where I was, um, in the middle of a major life change, a major life change, and trying to figure out, you know, why this was happening. And I think when you find yourself in those moments, when you find yourself, uh, you know, I mean, I've been to missionary school, I've pastored a church in rural North Florida, we got called suddenly out of there, just out of the blue, the opportunity came to go up to Thunder Bay, Ontario, and we, we took that call and we moved up and things were going well. The ministry was going well. Uh, the money wasn't so good, but, you know, but the ministry was going really well. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm back in Georgia. I'm back at square one where I started going back into ground transportation, which is what I had done for most of my life before the uh, ministry adventure began in 1997. And you sit and you look back and you go, well, what was all that about? What was all of that about? What is going on? And on February 7th, 2004, I, I really, I really didn't know. All I knew was that everybody seemed out of sorts, maybe because I was out of sorts as we were trying to figure out what this next phase of life was actually going to look like. But there was a reason why all that happened. There really was a reason why all of that happened. And I want to share with you maybe one of the most important stories of my life when I come back. Don't go anywhere. This really matters. Hang on. So my mother-in-law, Doris, was, eh, she was great. I, I really, I loved her. She was, uh, she was a strong-willed and opinionated woman, um, but she was extremely kind and compassionate. She was, um, she was a lot like my wife, or my wife is a lot like her, if the truth be known. Uh, and, and funny enough, you know, Doris, 
uh, was not very impressed with the uh, red-eyed, long-haired, skinny hippie that her daughter drug home. Uh, but once I cut my hair, got a real job, and uh, finally married her daughter, then, you know, we got along fine. And uh, uh, Doris Doris loved me, and, and I loved her. Um, Doris was a nominal Christian growing up. Her dad had worked for the Baptist Mission Board. Uh, she had gone to church, you know, here and there. They went to the Presbyterian Church up in town. Uh, some was not terribly active. Uh, her husband, Wendell, was uh, a staunch agnostic for a variety of reasons. Uh, and so there was, uh, while Doris, I think, if you had asked her what what's your religion, she would have said, well, I'm a Christian. But there was not a lot of real evangelical Christianity in her life. She was more cultural Christian than anything, I believe. And as I said, we had come home in 2003 for Christmas, and Doris was was not good. Her health was bad, and um, she had deteriorated just between the, our trip home in the summer and our trip home in the winter. She had just gone downhill in a really, really visible way, and it was very disturbing. Doris's problem, as it turned out, was that she uh, was on a variety of prescription medications, uh, and again, this was, you know, 2004, uh, back before there were databases and all that. So you could go to one doctor and get a handful of pills. You'd go to another doctor, get another handful of pills, do another doctor and handful of pills. Doris was taking a lot of pills, including a lot of opioids for pain management, along with some uh, other neuropathy drugs and, and a variety of things. And in we, we got home end of January we were living in their house in February and March. We were able to buy the house that we're still in uh, with their help. Doris and Wendell helped us get into this house. Uh, and we got into the house in April, finally, <laughs> after ripping out a lot of uh, uh, dog urine, stained flooring and painting and doing a whole lot of stuff, we were able to move into the house in April. And Doris actually got to come into our house one time in April of 2004. And then in May of 2004, her health really took a dive. And she, um, she began just failing. And she's in the hospital. And, and the doctors really, I mean, they said, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. They, they said to, to Jamie and her sister, look, your mother's dying and we're not sure why because none of the tests show that she should be, but as it turns out, she had uh, renal failure. Her kidneys were just shutting down, and I believe they were shutting down because of all of the different medications that she had been on for such a very long time. I will say, uh, until I am gone myself, that bad medicine killed my mother-in-law. And so she was in the hospital. I am driving a delivery truck around Atlanta, Georgia for a living, thankful to have a job, managing to scrape enough money together to get into a house and feed my kids and do those things that I needed to do. But we were, and we were desperately broke. I mean, probably the most broke that Jamie and I have been in our married life uh, at that point in time, did not have uh, a whole lot of extra. And in fact, our, our finances were so bad Doris was in the hospital, and we couldn't afford the $8 for parking. 
So we were actually parking at his little park about three blocks away and walking up to the hospital to go and, and see her. And I'll never forget this particular afternoon. I had worked, you know, all day. I was getting ready to go home. <clears throat> and as I got into my car to, to go home, I, I really felt that the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, spoke into my heart, go see Doris. And that was an unusual thing. I, that was, I was not anything I had ever done before. But I really felt compelled as I was leaving Kennesaw, heading toward Hiram, that I should go through Marietta. And I went and parked at the little park, and I walked up the hill and into the hospital and up to Doris's room just by myself, uh, just to see her because I felt I needed to. And I walked into the room, and it was, it was dark. The lights were very dim, and Doris was very, very sick. And I walked in and said, hi, Doris. You know, it's Mark. And, and she reached out, and she grabbed my hand. She grabbed my hand with a desperate strength. And she looked at me, and she said, help me. Please help me. Find peace with God. And so I said, okay, I can do that. And I sat down and held her hand very gently by her bedside, began just sharing the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is a God who exists, that he loves us that he wants a relationship with us, that we all have sinned, we've all rebelled against God, we've all been selfish, we've been self-centered, and we've been uh, doing our own thing, failing to live as God wants us to live, which is to serve him and to serve others. We've all served ourselves. But God, in his grace, came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. For while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. That God himself stood up and took off the robe of glory and clothed himself in humanity, even the humanity of, a, of an infant in a stable. And that same infant grew into a man who walked with God and who willingly laid down his life, and not a simple death, but a painful, brutal death. He was flogged and beaten and nailed to a cross where he died. But his death was the payment for not only my sin and Doris's sin, but for the sin of all humanity. Christ died to pay the price for our spiritual rebellion. That in the death of one man, in the death of the Lamb of God, the sins of humanity were paid for. That all who believe, that as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become children of God. And I sat there with Doris that day, and I explained all of this very gently and very simply. 
And then I asked her, I said, Doris, do you believe that Jesus Christ is a real person, that he really lived, that he really died? She said, yes, I do. And I said, Doris, do you believe the same Jesus who lived and died? Do you believe that on the third day he rose from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God, proving that he was the sinless man, and that he had overcome sin and death on our behalf? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And she said, oh, yes, yes, I do. And I said, well, Doris, will you surrender your heart to him? Will you ask him to come and fill your, your heart with his spirit to make you a new creation? Will you give your life to Jesus right now? And she said, I desperately want to do that. And so I prayed with her. And lying there in that darkened room, just the two of us, my mother-in-law, Doris, who was a good person all her life, received Jesus Christ as her Savior. And she found peace with God. A few days later, she slipped into a coma. They brought her home in a hospital bed with hospice care, and within a week, she was gone. And the question that I've always asked when I think about this story is this. Would God move a family of six 2,000 miles the middle of winter so that on the day of critical decision, the one person who was trusted and loved would be sitting in the room of a lost soul who would reach out and find peace with God days before their death. Is the God we serve such a loving God that he would put all of that together, even though none of it made sense? Did God love Doris so much that he made sure that I, the only pastor she knew, would be sitting at her bedside at the moment of her deepest spiritual crisis? so that she could say, help me find peace with God. And I was able to do that. Did God love Doris that much? And the answer, my friends, is yes. Yes, he did. And he loves you that much too. He loves you so much, he will go to extraordinary lengths to see to it that you have the opportunity to find peace with him through his son, Jesus Christ. This is an absolute true story that began on February 7th, 2004, as I was sitting, watching a homeless man beg for money on a rainy day in the middle of a four-lane highway. God loves you. Never doubt that. Jesus Christ 
was the Son of God. He lived. He really did. He walked this earth and was without sin, although tempted in all ways as we are. He willingly laid down his life. He gave himself on the cross. He was crucified, dead, and buried. And the third day, he rose again from the dead in triumph over death and hell. And he offers to all who will believe and trust him not only eternal life in the age to come, but life in the here and now, life in the kingdom of God right now. Don't be like Doris and wait until you're on your deathbed to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The days are short. The time is coming. The turmoil is happening now. The tribulation is right around the corner. Don't put your faith in men or governments or bank accounts. There is no safety and security outside of a relationship with a loving God. Now is the time. Now is the time. Be reconciled to God through Christ. I implore you. And if you need help with that, please reach out to me. The Eclectic Monk at mail.com is my email address. The Eclectic Monk at mail.com. If you need to find peace with God, would you reach out? I promise. I can help. Well, I hope this has helped you, maybe encouraged you, maybe inspired you, maybe challenged you. And until the next time, travel well, enjoy the journey, and know that you are loved by the God who created you in his very own image. Take care of yourself and God bless. So I really, really do appreciate you listening to the podcast and I appreciate you sharing it on social media or just by word of mouth. Appreciate you following it liking it, rating it if possible on whatever outlet that you're enjoying it on and appreciate all the encouragement that I've gotten along the way the nine of you still inspire me and I really really thank you all from the very bottom of my heart so again till we meet again God bless thanks